Hey, welcome to episode 89 of Tangible Takeaways. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to be talking about why I'm not running for president. My name's Tim, and today I'm going to be talking about the introduction of threads, how it's more important now than ever to watch what you say. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Thanks for taking the time, man. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Yeah, always appreciate it. You got to preach this weekend. I did. How was that? Getting back in the saddle and getting all studied up and stuff like that. How was it? It's always good. Always a rewarding experience to dive into God's word. And then even just being reminded of just the, the I don't know if it's heaviness per se, but just the weight of, you know, having to preach this is just a somber reminder of like, oh, this is some serious stuff. But the joy that comes from studying it is always always good yeah that's awesome and what would you say from this kind of whole dive into words and what proverbs has to say about words this weekend what were some of the kind of things that stood out to you or that maybe kind of caught you off guard that were different or unexpected yeah i think one of the things is again just the reminder of what's in our heart is really what's going to overflow as Mm. far as our speech goes And again, just a reminder, I said it on Sunday, just the reminder of guarding your heart from the stuff that you're bringing into it. Mm. And I reminded as well, just our eyes are a window into our hearts. Mm. And so whatever we're seeing, whatever we're hearing, whatever we're just surrounded with is what's ultimately going to overflow from the words inside of us as well. Mm. And then even just the reminder of, you know, you have the hurtful words, which are the ones that we went through first, and you have the helpful words, which are the ones that overflow from the goodness from the Holy Spirit that's in our hearts and understanding as well that if you don't have Jesus in your heart you're always going to be on the hurtful side because Mm -hmm. your words are always going to be focused on you rather than focused on others Mm. yeah I think the the whole topic is uh it's a sobering one Mm -hmm. we we talk so much today about so many different things and we have people who, I mean, everybody has the ability to have a platform, yeah. right? They can hop Everyone on, hop on yeah. TikTok, start a YouTube channel. Now Threads, Threads is a new Threads thing Threads is too. going. Yep. I'm on there. There you uh, go. And uh, and yeah, now we're now we're writing away on every thought on a whim that we have, and and Threads is very like stream of consciousness, right? So it's just kind of whatever I'm thinking is what comes right out then on and there. there. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you've got all of these words in all of these different spaces and it feels like man anybody from my generation who runs for president is going to get canceled in a minute dude because you're going to be able to find anything that they said on a video or on a on a tweet or a thread or whatever and so you've just got so many words out there Mm -hmm. and so to pause for a second and to think man my words matter and they have an impact on me they have an impact on other people and i do think it's super convicting we've all said something that we're like whoa 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 i didn't mean that yeah and it's like no actually biblically you meant it you actually did because it's a reflection of what's in your heart yeah Mm -hmm. and then it's like man i've i've got to repent of that like that's actually that's where i think words play such a great reminder of like whoa i've got to take a second and turn in repentance because clearly there's some dark stuff in my heart because yeah. I just said something I did not I'd say I don't mean 
but I really did mean it. And yeah. so that means that, man, there's some corrupt stuff in my heart. Yeah, I always think of the the Ted Lasso quote. Love to unpack, unpack that yeah. later on. Yeah. yeah. Just because it's like you say something like, hmm, there's baggage to that. There's something there that provoked you to say that. Yeah. And like you're saying, it's coming from your heart. So it's not just a knee-jerk reaction there. Like there's something just boiling there that makes it to where it just suddenly it's outspoken. It's interesting what you're talking about, even with threads and even thinking of Twitter. And it's that quick thought, right? It's the thing of what's on my mind right now. And you instantaneously just write it down. Or are you giving yourself to think about what you're about to say? Mm. And that was one of our hurtful words um, that we talked about is, hey, don't just be so quick to speak. Don't talk too much, but think before you say things, because those words have a huge impact, whether you know it or not. They may seem innocent. They may seem like, oh, yeah, it's nothing. But even as you're saying, the future presidential candidate from your generation is going to be like, Oh, I forgot that I said that. And it's like, man, I tweeted that in high school. I tweeted in high school, guys. <laughs> exactly. So that's something else to take into consideration. A fascinating thing to take into consideration. As yeah. Well. Yeah. I just think it's it, here's here's kind of the tension, too. Right. Because we talk about also this weekend how words can be so helpful. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about the ways that they can hurt people, I find myself being like, whoa, like, man, I I'm kind of nervous to say anything right now, especially when some of those things that are hurtful or even just things like talking too much, like dominating too much of our conversation today, not helpful. (laughs) And so it's like, oh man, okay, I'm now getting a little nervous to say anything, but at the same time, I don't want to, Jesus hasn't, you know, saved us to be mute men, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's not the the goal either is that we would just be mutes for the rest of our life. So it's like, man, how do I, if I'm walking away from this weekend, which I don't know how you couldn't, and I'm feeling convicted, how do I begin to, you know, have maybe more restraint or some sort of a filter for what I say, but I'm also not like, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to, I don't want to give an account for every empty word. I'm just not going to say any words, you know, like, so I think some people might be falling into that. I'm a little too afraid now. Mm -hmm. How do we kind of, how do we move forward if we're feeling convicted, but we still need to say some stuff. Yeah. I always think of, you know, you have that old, you know, early two thousands, what would Jesus do? But you really do have to ask yourself, like, how would Jesus approach this conversation? Mm -hmm. And I mean, we talked about that first Peter passage this past weekend too, where it basically lays out who Jesus is, everything that he's done for us. And one of the things that I love is, you know, it says he was, you know, not quick to take vengeance. He, there is nothing foul in his mouth and it's listing out all these things that Jesus was. And I told them, I was like, I love this because it shows us an example of how we should live and how we should think. And so in regards to like, oh man, I feel nervous about talking. Jesus had no problem talking. Mm. But what he said was meaningful. Mm. And that's what we need to do. We need to look at Jesus and say, okay, how can my words be life-giving? How can my words can be helpful and ultimately glorify God and point people to the gospel instead of just empty, void things that are kind of meaningless in the end? Yeah, yeah. I was even thinking of the biblical perspective of words and how powerful words were. And so at the beginning of creation, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
then you have, and God said, let there be light. Yeah. And so words are so powerful, even in the very beginning, it created all of existence. Yeah. And because we were made in the image of God, our words are created to create life, to bring joy, to bring hope, to bring goodness. But because of our sinful condition, we're more inclined to do the opposite, which is to bring death, which is to bring hurt, which is to bring destruction. And so again, going back to your question, how do we, how do we reconcile the hesitation that can be there of talking? Well, you just go back to the teacher. Mm. You go back to Jesus, who is the perfect example of how we should live as people. Yeah. And I do think Jesus is such a, he's, he's obviously a great example. He's also an interesting one because when we think about somebody who's wise with their words, we tend to think about somebody who doesn't tick a lot of people off, Mm -hmm. right? They're very restrained Mm -hmm. and people just kind of shut up and listen to them because they're like, Ooh, what do you have to say? And that wasn't Jesus. Jesus ticked a lot of people off because in his holiness, in his righteousness, it exposed, confronted, and brought out a defensiveness in the sinfulness of people. Yeah. And so I think, man, if we, it's almost just setting those right expectations. If I follow his path, it doesn't mean it's going to be conflict free. Mm -hmm. Those same people that he spoke with all wisdom to as the author of wisdom, those same exact people murdered him because they found such offense in him. And Mm -hmm. so it doesn't mean that people aren't going to be offended. It doesn't mean that we're just going to be smooth talkers because you've got also in scripture, like, woe to you if everybody speaks well of you. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you're just putting on a show all the time. Yeah. It's that flattery we were talking about in the first part of that sermon of the hurtful words. Like if you're just, everyone loves you, eh, you might want to check what you're saying. I mean, Yeah. yeah. Now if everyone in your, you know, core group of you know, Christian friends love you. It's different. But if you've the, everyone, you know, that, you know, who aren't Christians love you at the same time and have no contention with how you live. Hmm. Yeah. There's something to be said about that. Got to check that. Yeah. You got to check that. And then Jesus, who's perfect, who's not putting on a show is perfect, authentic through and through. He's ticking people off where he mm-hmm. goes. And so I think that's a really interesting thing for us to consider as we're moving towards wisdom in how we use our words it doesn't mean that we're moving towards a conflict-free situation as much as we would love like if wisdom led to a lack of conflict in our lives oh, that'd be great right it's <laughs> it's knowing the right path not the easy path yeah you know like that's what wisdom is and so we're saying okay i know the right path to take with my words which means sometimes I might have to, you know, you had those in the helpful category. I might have to rebuke. I might have to correct. correct. Yeah. And, and it's not fun. That's dicey, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's a gamble. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a powerful contrast for us to look even at the person of Jesus and the product of his words didn't mm-hmm. make everybody happy. But I even look at correcting and I had mentioned too that correcting's tough, but it brings life. Mm. Even going to the analogy of my kid loves reptiles, loves reptiles. But I tell him, hey, don't pick up snakes because you don't know if that snake's going to be, you know, the venomous one that's going to kill you or it's going to be the one that's totally fine. And so in correcting in the same way, we could be bringing life without realizing it yeah. to somebody else's life. Yeah. You could have been the the cool dad that's mm-hmm. like, hey, he likes snakes, you know, let, let him do his thing. Yeah. And you're going to end up in the hospital with venom running through his veins hoping oh, yeah. that he makes it. You yeah, know, like it's sure. like 
there's room for correction. Yeah. It needs to be there. Or another illustration, I listed a couple of them. One of them, like you have someone who struggles with alcohol. Hey, I'm going to go watch the Laker game at the sports bar. Hmm, probably not a good idea because you're going to be surrounded with something that you struggle with. Yeah. Or a married person texting someone of the opposite sex who's not their spouse. And you're going to come alongside and you're going to be like, bro, that's not a good idea. You're yeah. playing with fire. Yeah. It's not and because leading. of those correcting words, even though, you know, it's not going to be a fun conversation to have, you're saving a marriage, you're saving a life. Mm. And that's huge. That's a lot of weight to it. Mm. Yeah. What would you say in those helpful words category? What are some of the kind of practical steps that some people in our church family could take to say, man, here's. I'm going to shift my words this week towards helpful. What are some kind of practical things that they could do? Yeah. Well, one of the things I think first and foremost is saturate your heart with this. Mm. The moment you begin to read scripture all the time, it's just going to naturally overflow in your conversations. Yeah. And then especially if you're filling your heart with words from here, if you run into a situation like, mm, should I correct? Should I say this? You're able to gauge, okay, well, scripture tells me this. Okay, so I'm going to respond mm. in this way. Yeah. And then also, too, I think a huge thing is think before you speak. Mm. Think before you speak. Think, is this going to be a helpful word or is this going to be a hurtful word? And then don't follow your heart when you want to say that hurtful word, even though it feels good. Like I was saying, it it feels good sometimes to to take those punches, to gossip or to do any of that. But man, does it feel good to give an encouraging word to someone who's hurting? Yeah. Or does it feel good to help a buddy or a friend out who's struggling with something and saying, hey, you need to find help? Yeah. Or to feel good to have a conversation with someone and then be able to end that conversation well enough to say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you mm. about my church. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, one of the reasons that this whole conversation around words can get so overwhelming for some people is because their whole perspective on life is oriented towards the negative. Mm -hmm. They see the worst in people. Mm -hmm. They see the worst in situations. They jump to the worst conclusions. And when that's the whole way that you live your life, and then it's like, I'm supposed to be encouraging towards people. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to operate in this way that's so different from the way that the rest of my life works. I think a lot of the way that we speak, for sure, we're saturated in scripture. But then I think scripture should also begin informing our worldview. Exactly. That we see that God is moving and he's alive and he's active and there's hope. Mm -hmm. There's hope for today. And if that's the case, then I want to see where he's moving. I want to see the things that are going well. I yeah. want to see, um, and I, I'm not going to say that nothing's going well. Now I'm on the complete opposite side of this hypothetical here because I'm an optimist through and through. So yeah. I'll state my bias right at the forefront. I always see the good stuff going on and that's going to be my bent. But I'll tell you, that makes it a heck of a lot easier for me to be encouraging. 100%. It's natural because it's part of the way that I see the world yeah. now. I just see the world in a way that I see things getting better. I see better days ahead for our church. I see better days for this ministry. I see better days in your family ahead. I see better days in whatever situation we're talking about. So I'm going to encourage towards that thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so similar to the way that God works with us. Like he is so patient with us. He's not like, man, when are we going to figure this out, Tim? Mm -hmm. When are we going to have to stop talking about X? When are we going to, when am I going to have to stop forgiving Y? He's not that. 
He doesn't speak over us the things that we're failures at. Instead, he calls us things like holy and righteous and beloved. Mm -hmm. And he speaks these things over us that are calling us to who we really are in Christ. But it's like, man, I'm going to start living more like that as he sees that in my future. I'm going to start to see my future more similarly to him than I would tend to see it, which is everything's going to go horribly and it's a dumpster fire and all of that. God's saying, man, you're, you're a saint, you're holy and you're righteous. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's what the next, maybe that's what seven years down the line looks like for me. And so I'm adhering and clinging to that hope and that future. And it's like, man, if you're just going to go on seeing the world as though everything is falling apart and everything is getting worse. You're going to have a hard time being encouraging. You're going to have a hard time not saying like, Hey, did you hear about this marriage that fell apart? You're going to have a hard time with those things. Yeah. So nobody likes a Debbie Downer, right? Yeah. He always comes in with the negative and it's like, okay, there you go. Yeah. It's interesting too, because I think words, we have to watch the words that we say, but we have to watch the words that we're listening to as well. Because if you're just, you know, so saturated in this world, you turn on TV, you turn on news, you turn on radio, anything, and maybe a podcast even too. Mm -hmm. And it's just full of negativity, 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 negativity. And if you're constantly surrounded and hearing these words, obviously you're never going to be happy. Yeah. Because everything you're listening to, people are ticked off and just ranting about something else. Yeah. Like you said, if you maintain like, okay, I'm not going to allow my ears to hear that and said, I'm going to saturate myself in optimism and in God's word, then man, you're going to start seeing it easier and easier to be able to speak helpful words. And not only that, but to just live a happier life too. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's like the beautiful part about this is we're not self-helping our way to get there and just hoping that we can manifest more excitement. Because you can't self-help it. You can't. You can't. It's man, I am connected to the source of life, which means that I have, I have hope for the future. He has a, he has a plan. He has a vision for my life, for my church, for my community, for my desert. And so if that's the case, then there's hope for today. Mm -hmm. There really is. And there's joy where he is. And so if I have, if I'm connected to those things, I'm not trying to like generate a happy face just to have a happy face. Yeah. It's like, no, there really are things to be happy about in my life. There's a realization of that true reality that there is joy to be had here as well. Because God, by his grace, is showing me how to see the world more and more the way he sees it. And the key is you have to allow him to do that. Yeah. Because he's there, he's ready, he's raring to, you know, start that sanctification process in your heart. But if you're like, no, I'm going to cling to this, then he's going to be like, okay, well, that's your choice at this point. Yeah. And that's where you just have to let, it's the, you know, cliche term to let go and let God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's a here's a tangent for you, Tim, but I am... The, this is something God's like working in me right now, but I'm in, I'm in Isaiah for my devotional life right now. And I, I came across this passage that is just, um, kind of blowing my mind a little bit. It's talking about judgment and it refers to judgment as God's strange work or his alien work. And I thought that was so powerful to me because his proper work is saving Mm -hmm. His true, like the work that he defaults to is redeeming and saving. He only judges when he has to, right? Yep. And it's, it's when the, it's, it's when push comes to shove, I've, I've got to judge to maintain my holiness, my righteousness, Mm -hmm. right? And I think you've got 
a lot of Christians today that are Christians because they think that God's work, his primary work is judgment. And so they have a judgmental attitude towards the world. Mm -hmm. They have a judgmental attitude towards their brothers and sisters, towards human beings, even towards their own church. Yeah. Because they think judgment is God's primary work. And what we've got to work past, whether you're a natural cynic or a natural optimist, is God's proper work is saving. So how can that inform your worldview? How can that inform the way that you see the world? That God's hope, God's dream for this person in my life, for this person in my life, for my workplace, for my desert, for my community, God's dream is that they would be saved because that's his proper work. Mm -hmm. That's what his spirit is working towards all the way up until their last breath, all the way up until Jesus returns. That is what God is going to be working towards because it's his proper work. And so, man, I have got to allow that to inform the way I see the world instead of saying, oh, it's all going to hell in a handbasket. Like, mm -hmm. come now, Jesus, judge them all. That's his alien work. It's going to happen. Yeah. But his proper work is that he saves, he redeems, he restores. He's done it for me. He's done it for you. Why, why would I become a cynic now and hope that everybody else gets judged? Yeah. I want to be moving towards and seeing the way that God's redeeming things around me, not seeing him in his proper work as judging everything, but as saving and redeeming. Yeah, you look at the works of the apostles, right, in the New Testament. Did they ever say that? Yeah. Did they ever say, oh, we just can't wait for judgment to come? No, it was we can't wait for the hope of redemption yeah. to be here. And we, the happiness and the joy that comes along with Paul's writings, Peter's writings, James' writings, all of them of just cling to God and enjoy his, his blessings that he brings. Yeah, yeah. And so I want to allow... I want to allow that reality that God is working towards redemption and salvation in, the, in my life, in the lives of other people around me, to inform the way that I see them, the way that I see those situations. Because I think I'll be incredibly more optimistic about it if I see it as God moving towards salvation and redemption mm -hmm. than him moving towards judgment. Yeah. So... Uh, man, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, Appreciate no problem. It, My pleasure. Always fun. Uh, don't forget to uh, give the video a like and subscribe so that you get future videos. And let us know if you got a tangible takeaway uh, from either Pastor Mike, Matt, or Tim's message this weekend. And uh, let us know uh, something that you're taking away from that. Uh, but we hope you have a great week. We'll catch you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways.